the HD Movie Podcast may contain mature content, strong language and spoilers. Hello and welcome to episode 67 of the HD Movie Podcast. I'm Darren Gaskell. And I'm Hayley Alice Roberts. And in this episode, we're continuing our odyssey into Shark Investor Waters. It's another Summer of Sharks episode. This time, we're picking a movie from 2012. It's Kimball Rendell's Bait. It's our third movie in our Summer of Sharks sequel series. Try saying that when you're drunk. This week, we're going to venture into Aussie territory with a movie that was originally shot in 3D, but we had to see it flat, very much like Jaws 3 the other week. But this time, we're going to take a look at Bait, which is by Kimball Rendell, and it stars, amongst other people, Shani Vinson from Your Next and Julian McMahon, who I watched quite a lot in the early 2000s in Nip Tuck. That was a great series. That yeah. was an absolutely great series. I came to that quite late, but no, I do agree with you there. And a uh, fun fact, he also featured in many of Danny Minogue's early 90s music videos, which is quite fun to uh, look back on. So back to Bates. Who better to tell us the synopsis of Bates? None other than the shark movie oracle himself, Nick Reganus. One painful year after a bloody encounter with a killer shark, the former lifeguard Josh is now working in a supermarket. Then, as if having to deal with his ex-girlfriend, her new boyfriend, a young shoplifter, and a dangerous hostage situation during an armed robbery wasn't enough, a towering tsunami hits the store, flooding the entire place. More and more, the local grocery store turns into an inescapable death trap as the handful of survivors come to realize that something terrifying is swimming between the aisles i wonder what that is well it's a massive 12 foot long great white shark is there an escape from the razor sharp teeth of the ultimate apex predator well we'll not give that away just yet but uh, yeah um, i've seen bait a few times now and i think it's laws of diminishing returns with bait on the first viewing I thought it was pretty decent. I had a good time with it. But the more you see it, the less interesting it becomes. I like the fact that they've packed the first act with incidents. So you get the attempted robbery. There's lots and lots of different characters get set up. There's a subplot in an underground car park. So you get a lot of things going on. It's just that somehow... It doesn't all quite coalesce at the end. There's some good bits in it, but I have to say the main 
crime for me is getting somebody like Sharni Vincent in, who's so good in your next, and having her do almost nothing throughout the movie. Absolutely. I just think it's a very one-dimensional film in terms of the character development. It's a strange one because on one hand, it's trying to have a bit of a Sharknado flair to it, but it's not quite as ridiculous. But then it tries to take a serious tone as well. And the balance is just off. It doesn't work for me at all. Um, it's bogged down with these very like heavy dialogue moments where they're trying to have these emotional conversations. And again, because I don't muster enough care for these characters, it just lands really flat for me. I think this is very much a one-time watch and I've seen it I think at least three times now. The first time was actually during lockdown when we hosted a horror-themed watch party and we decided let's do a fun shark movie for the final film and it was you know fun to watch in a virtual sense with a virtual audience. Second viewing was with Bad Film Club on the virtual abattoir in 2020 and um, Darren and I were both surprised that that was selected for Bad Film Club because it's really not what you think it is. It's not a bad movie in that respect. And then third time now for me is watching it for the purpose of this podcast. And I think once you've seen it, you don't need to see it again. I don't think it, it just kind of like loses its appeal and your interest kind of wanes with it. That That's just me though. So this was produced by Dark Light Films and it was shot in Queensland between September and December 2010 so um, it was shot way before it came out it was a two-year gap and post-production on the film continued after Christmas 2010 in Singapore it's only been released in 3D on Blu-ray so if you want to get the 3D action in that's where you have to watch it if you watch it on YouTube, like we did, as someone's kindly uploaded the whole movie, <laughs> you'll just get to see it in 2D. I, I don't know, there's um, a scene at the end, which would be kind of fun in a cinema, I think, to have the 3D effect where the shark launches out of the sea and um, eats a seagull, because those bastards deserve to die anyway. <laughs> What's interesting about this film, though, is uh, it's the first ever Singapore-Australian feature film collaboration. No women die in this film, or dogs either. That's a spoiler. So if you're worried when you enter a film like this, when you see a cute little dog, and you're worried that it's going to be basically body count fodder, it's not in this film. You'll be quite pleased. So um, I think it gets points for that from us because we always want to champion the animals in films we hate the whole cheap kill the pet trope so it has that going for it at least it had three animatronic sharks used in the film Kimball Rendell the director uh, wanted to keep CGI effects at a minimum he wanted to do more practical effects but sometimes in the film CGI did become necessary because of the budget but yeah you get animatronic sharks so that's kind of going back into the whole Jaws territory which is quite cool and another interesting fact about this film is because it did do um, well and achieved over its original budget, it had a budget of 20 million and then made 32.5 million at the box office. It did have a sequel in the pipeline, but this film never materialised. Production did begin on it. It was titled Deep Water and it was going to be about a plane en route from China to Australia crashing into the Pacific Ocean but it was suspended due to uncomfortable similarities to the disappearance of the Malaysia airline flights um, 370. So that was the 
reason they just kind of put a, the kibosh on the production, which is fair enough because it would have been too close to the bone and probably in bad taste to make a, a shark movie about something that's quite serious. Yeah, yeah. I do remember the MH370 aircraft disaster. And yeah, I guess at that point, they probably did the right thing in shelving it. Maybe in years to come, they might resurrect it. I mean, they may do a decent job of the sequel. There's nothing technically wrong with this movie. Yeah, some of the CGI is a bit dodgy, but that's budgetary constraints. The script's okay. It's co-scripted by Russell Mulcahy, who did things like Highlander. He directed another monster movie, Razorback, which is about a killer pig, also in Australia, which is highly recommended. It's so daft, Razorback. It's like... You have to see Razorback. It's like kill a pig movie. Uh, yeah. And you just think, well, how are they going to pull this off? Well, they do. It's ridiculous, but it's well worth seeing. Shot in Queensland, as you say. I remember seeing this for the first time and thinking, I recognise that place. Is that Coolangatta that they're shooting it in? And apparently it is. I've been to Coolangatta. Probably only spent a day there waiting for a plane to take me back to Melbourne. But it's a decent enough area on the Gold Coast. So recognizable locations to me yeah you're right about the heavier moments in the movie they try to go for the pathos a bit of emotion there's some more serious character beats but when it's in a movie this daft you don't really want people soul searching you want more shark action and there's a reasonable amount of shark action in it but it does get bogged down with people searching their souls to find some meaning in what they do. Julia McMahon's character, yes, he's a criminal. He's trying to pull off a robbery to save somebody he loves, but he's not a bad guy deep down. You know this, and you know that he's going to be more heroic as the movie goes on. It's it's okay, but that's all I can say about it. It's okay. There are over-the-top characters, as you'd expect, there's a jock type that is trapped in the underground car park and he's the one who throws the cute furry dog in the path of the shark hoping that it'll save his skin. Well, it doesn't. He gets got by the shark and fuck him as well. I'm so glad that the shark got him. And some of the effects are quite good. There's a point at which somebody's trying to get through an air vent and there's a lot of crabs come out at him and then the shark leaps up and bites him in half. So there's some decent gore in it, but you're right. I don't think it knows what it wants to be. It's a very silly movie with some very serious moments in it, and neither of them match up, especially when you've got somebody like Doyle's partner. I'm Doyle's Julia McMahon, but he's got this partner called Kirby, and Kirby overacts for all he's worth. He's a pop-eyed, grinning psychopath who... Shouts things like, oh, shut up, man, don't bullshit me. And he's like that through the entire movie. And to be perfectly honest, he doesn't die quick enough. Every single time he's put in danger, and I think, oh, thank fuck for that. The shark's going to get him. And he doesn't. It's like, oh, God, do we have to endure this guy for the rest of the movie? Well, you almost do have to endure him for the rest of the movie. He's very, very difficult to get on with. And I know he's meant to be annoying, but I don't think he's meant to be that annoying. He really is a pain in the ass throughout this entire movie. As I said, Charlie Vinson 
loved her in your next, but she's saddled with this almost, well, not even second fiddle, kind of third fiddle role as the girlfriend of the main guy who is going through some trauma because Sharni Vincent's character's brother gets killed at the start because he takes a job out on the water that this main guy is supposed to have done, but he's hung over. So he says, oh, don't worry about it. I'll do this for you. Surely enough, he gets killed. This guy's got a load of guilt about it. So his relationship collapses and then they bump into each other in the supermarket sort of 18 months down the line. And you kind of know where all of that's going. And even though she's got this guy who seems to be a sort of friend stroke boyfriend and mm. just kind of think, yeah, is this guy going to die so that it leaves the path clear for the main guy? Mm, I wonder. And his death scene is probably the most hilarious. Yeah. So basically, he gets all these like shopping baskets over him as he has to go and try and stop something to do with the power. And he gets so bogged down that he drowns. And it's like, I know that sounds horrible, but if you see it, it is absolutely ridiculous. And as I say, that's why these emotional moments have no place in this movie when you've got a scene like that one minute. And then, as you say, the soul searching the next. I mean, it is entertaining in places. It is one that you can laugh at certain elements in it. But it just plays it too straight to qualify as a B-movie like Sharknado. It takes itself way too seriously, meaning like the silly bits don't really land like they should. And as I said, it's just weighed down by these emotional clunky moments. And they, they just fail to like add the desired effect to the film. I think they want to get you to feel like sorry for these characters and root for them, but it just does not work. And as for the best character in the whole movie, the dog. I'm sorry, that is the best part. Three dogs played this part. They had three Pomeranians in this film. One uh, for swimming, one for barking, and one for running. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you've got uh, you've got a stunt Pomeranian basically in this movie. Yeah, I mean, you know, not a lot of movies can say that. So, to be fair, and it was actually shot in an Aldi supermarket, so genuine supermarket. It looks pretty much the part, because you'd think that sometimes they put sets up and you think, well, that's never a supermarket. But it does It does look incredibly convincing, and that's why it's a real supermarket. So big up to them for actually having the correct sets. And as I've said before, technically, there's nothing wrong with this movie. It's really competently put together. You can quibble with some of the effects, but that's fair enough. You can quibble with the effects in quite a lot of low-budget shark movies. It does hang together as a decently made piece of work. It's just that it's undermined by the fact that it really should have gone for the silliness because the plot's ridiculous. So throwing in all the serious moments doesn't gel. There's no point having all these big dramatic sequences when they're side by side with such daft action sequences. And the daft action sequences are pretty good. If they'd have filled it with daft action sequences, I'd have probably enjoyed it much more than I did. And it's not to say that I had a bad time, but I think it just falls short in quite a lot of ways, which is a bit of a shame because the cast is pretty decent. The premise is pretty decent, if daft. And, weirdly enough for a shark movie, quite a lot of people survive. Yeah, that's true. There is quite um, a strong bunch of survivors there at the end. But no, I'm inclined to agree with everything you just said there. 
it's not the worst shark movie by any means. I think we've both seen a lot worse, and I'm guessing there's probably going to be a lot worse to come in this series. So, Bait is actually one I would recommend if you're into a bit of a shark movie binge. It's definitely worthy of inclusion. Again, it's like that kind of popcorn movie that I like to talk about where you just, you know, don't have to take it too seriously, even though it takes itself a bit too seriously. And just kind of go with it, but just enjoy the ridiculousness of it and don't kind of dive in too deep, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Um, To round off, it had its premiere at the Venice Film Festival in 2012 and then was later released theatrically in September 2012 in Australia and in the November in Singapore. IMDb have given it um, a fair rating of 5.2 out of 10, whereas Rotten Tomatoes have a 46% tomato meter and 28% audience score. I mean, I, I think on the most part, it's probably quite a forgettable film when it uh, comes down to the uh, realm of shark films. But as I said, I think out of the ones I've personally seen, it is worthy of inclusion. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with this at all. And you're right, if you're looking for some brain off, Friday night, popcorn fodder, maybe a couple of beers, watch it with some mates, fits the bill absolutely perfectly. Interesting, again, about the Rotten Tomatoes scores that the critics come down less harshly than the audience do. So I'm guessing that the critics kind of looked at how it was structured. It's got a lot more going for it in terms of how it's put together than a lot of shark movies. I think that it's probably ticking the boxes for critics in terms of how it hangs together. Now, whether that's enough for audiences overall, that's another matter. And the cast is much better than you would normally get in this sort of thing. I'm not really sure about Julian McMahon's accent. I mean, I know he spent a lot of time in the States and it kind of seems to waver between States and Aussie. And I don't think it ever lands in one particular country. But he's still pretty good at it. I do like Julian McMahon as an actor. And he can do this sort of thing in his sleep. This kind of bad boy. Because he was certainly the bad boy in Nip Tuck. But he's the, in this he's the bad boy with the heart of gold. I don't think his heart wasn't that golden in Nip Tuck. He was a bit of a bastard, to be perfectly honest. Oh but... yeah, very complex character. But so <laughs> watchable. Like, so compelling. Yeah, so going by the general reviews from users on IMDb, um, they're giving it more like six and sevens out of ten, which I think is pretty fair. Some of the review titles are like, surprisingly enough, not horrible. It was good. Shopping with sharks. I mean, (laughs) yeah, that is definitely a a good uh, review title there. Better than I had expected. Go watch it. Remarkably watchable. Thoroughly enjoyable giant killer shark in aisle four (laughs) so yeah there's you know people have received it pretty well and it made over a budget so that's you know again a positive about it i think check out bait if you're looking for a shark movie that you may not have seen yeah definitely because i think it's the sort of thing that you can get hold of quite easily i'm thinking that it's a movie that maybe not a lot of people have seen or have had a look at it and looked at the artwork and think oh this is going to be terrible It's not terrible. As we said, it was picked for Bad Film Club at Abattoir. Now, it's creaky, but I wouldn't say it's outright bad, considering some of the other stuff they've picked for Bad Film Club at Abattoir. I mean, they've picked some absolute stinkers for Bad Film Club at Abattoir. It threw me for a bit of a loop because I was thinking, well, 
this isn't all that bad actually yeah you can take the piss out of it but you can take the piss out of quite a lot of the shark movies that we've covered and i'm sure that you'll be able to take the piss out of the ones that we're about to cover as well and it does have some inventiveness in it there's a point at which one of the smarter characters has to saw somebody's hand off there's a dead body and he saws his hand off to sort of dip the blood in the water so it's quite gruesome there's a bit of sort of savage invention in it it's not a complete dead loss which kind of makes me wonder why it ended up on the bad film club list because they did end up programming something called frankenfish which is several times worse than this that frankenfish is absolutely dreadful and i don't think bait belongs in the same bracket as something like that definitely it was not in the league of previous entries in bad film club as we've said because um you know in the past we've had things like a roboside troll 2 troll 2 is amazing anyway yeah the demons of ludlow <laughs> the uninvited with um a cat within a cat you know there's so much badness I think uh, Night Train's Terror, yeah. Rats, there's, there's been just films of a certain special quality in Bad Film Club, and it was an odd choice with Bait, but because it was part of the virtual festival, I'm curious what it would have been like experiencing Bait on the big screen with the Bad Film Club commentary. Maybe it would have landed better, because I think, you know, when you're, you're physically there, and they were, they were going to pinpoint, you know, what is amusing in the film i think that would have maybe been a better experience but still i'm not sure because i just don't think it's one that i sit there like laughing at out loud at yeah that's true it's it's certainly not demons of ludlow if you put bait and demons of ludlow side by side you'd be coming out thinking bait is cities and kane at the side of Demons of Ludlow. <laughs> I mean, I would love for us to do Demons of Ludlow on this podcast one day. I think when we've when we've psychologically got over the previous screening of it, then we'll probably do it. But for now, it's sharks. And as shark movies go, Bait is absolutely fine. It's not the worst one you'll ever see. It's certainly not the best one you'll ever see. But if you're looking for something unpretentious and entertaining with a few gory moments, it'll fit the bill. Yeah. In my opinion, I think it's definitely a 6 out of 10. Yeah. I do wish we could chat longer. And that's it for episode 67 of the HD Movie Podcast. As always, thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode and want to check us out on social media, we are on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at HD Movie Podcast. Up next, episode 68, we have another shark movie and we have a guest. In the next episode, we are inviting back the lovely Kate Orton, who featured in a couple of our Summer of Sharks episodes last year, and we're having her back this time to discuss more shark stuff with us. And the next shark movie is something rather different to what we've done before. Very, very different. So I believe this is a movie from the 1950s, so we've never covered a shark movie that far back yet. I think the furthest back we've done are the 70s. In yeah. the late 70s at that. Yeah. This one is by the legendary director, Roger Corman. It's 1958's fantastically titled She-Gods of Shark Reef. I'm excited to see what's in store in this film. And it's going to be great to welcome Kate back to uh, the Shark Fold. If you haven't already, check out our episodes with her from last year, which we covered Deep Blue Sea and The Meg.
looking forward to all of that until then stay safe everybody we'll see you soon the hd movie podcast is presented by Haley alice roberts and darren gaskell its music is written and performed by mitch bay you can find the episodes on apple podcasts google podcasts samsung podcasts amazon music podchaser tune in iHeartRadio, player fm listen notes and podbean